0: This episode of Everything Hurts is brought to you by Prolific, who wants to enable world-changing research by making trustworthy data more accessible and super quick to collect. Use Prolific to ethically recruit participants for your research from their pool of over 100,000 users. Go to prolific.co forward slash everything hurts to get $50 worth of credit for just $1. That's prolific.co forward slash everything hurts. If we were to do a straightforward checklist, I'm talking really low-hanging fruit, what sort of stuff for the reviewer that's not looking for these things or trained with these things, what low-hanging fruit would you include in such a checklist? Welcome to Everything Hurts, my name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo and I'm here with James Heathers, <laughs> I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. How are you going mate? You can tell how I'm going, very yeah. poorly.
1: I can I can tell how you're going, but you you failed to notice something, look at my beautiful face.
0: What happened to your moustache?
1: My moustache, well I grew that to annoy people and then I cut it off immediately because my wife wouldn't look at me.
0: Well, mission successful, on Twitter yeah. at least.
1: Well, this is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's good. It's good to not look like me. Also, look, I always found that very easy. It just sort of comes out of your head. It's more of a pain than anything else to me. <laughs> I just left it because it's quarantine, but someone referred to me the other day as looking like a fat Santa Claus. And I thought, oh, I should probably <laughs> cut all, should probably cut all this off. I don't mind, Daniel. Yeah. You've heard the things I say about other people. That's how people talk to me. It's fine. It's also a little bit accurate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just just the wrong season for it yeah now, oh, um, it's horribly hot we we have um recently set up a way that you can send in audio questions this is on everything hurts.com. just follow the links and you can send uh, previously we've had people do this through through email but that can be a little bit clunky so we've set up a service where, with uh, with one click, either through your smartphone or through your web browser, you can send us. I think it's up to two minutes, something like that. You can send us a question, and uh, we've got uh, we've got a great question from no heavy Kim greeting. Mitchell.
1: Or you could just email <laughs> that straight to me.
0: James James is into that kind of thing. We we're now we're now going to play uh, Kim's question. So uh, thanks for sending in your question, Kim.
1: Hello, Dan and James. My name is Kim Mitchell. I am a research coordinator in Canada and doctoral candidate inches away from defense. I'm better known on Twitter as academics, right? I was reading Nick Brown's thread on Twitter about the retracted video gaming paper, and among other things, Nick wrote that the reviewers didn't notice that almost all of the statistics were impossible. It made me wonder what are the red flags a reviewer should look for to be able to assess when the statistics are impossible. Even though I consider my stats knowledge to be pretty good, I certainly don't want to make this mistake one day as a reviewer. Thanks, and I look forward to the conversation.
0: Thanks, uh, for your question, Kim. Now, this is, this is a great one. And before we jump into to our opinions, uh, we're going to also throw this question up, uh, this idea around the role of peer review, uh, to the public via prolific. So we have put together a, uh, a brief questionnaire, a paying very participants
1: brief, a very brief of- questionnaire
0: very brief questionnaire. Paying our participants an ethical wage of I think it's about eight eight US dollars an hour or the equivalent of eight US dollars an hour and we're going to recruit 100 participants, and we expect because prolific is quick. Uh, we expect to get some results pretty, pretty fast. And we're also limit- limiting this questionnaire, uh, which is one of the settings within prolific to people with a university degree. Last week, we went with people who didn't have a university degree, and this week we've, uh, we're gonna flip it around. So mm. I'm gonna log on to the prolific for
1: good reasons in context. And for yes. this one, we need. The college of col- col- collegial um, what's the college? College educated sounds so kind of. Did you know that I'm college educated? Also, I'm a member of Mensa. Blah blah. blah. I can't stand that shit. Um.
0: Okay, we are uh,
1: minimally bachelorial. Cool.
0: We we are we are online and uh, we're using uh using about uh, fifty dollars worth of prolific credit Did you, do is what what you can just, get. Said. just then I, I pressed i pressed the button i thought and, you had to do it uh,
1: like 15 minutes ago
0: well so i'm I legitimately qu-
1: surprised i'm so glad they give us money it's so nice to be able to, like <laughs> take money in good faith from people that you don't want to stab it's just yeah such I- <laughs> a, it's such a relief i always thought this would be so deeply annoying and ah well
0: it's all it's go all right. on, so yeah go we'll, on do your little we're, podcast we're, we're, we're going to wait, wait, wait for these, uh, wait for these questions to, the responses to roll in, uh, 50, 50 bucks worth. And that is what you get, uh, with the, with the deal. So you go to prolific.co forward slash everything hurts. And for one dollar, you can get 50 bucks worth of prolific credit. But back to the, uh, back to the question. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Back to the question at hand. Uh, here's, here's, I, there's, there's no point writing a questionnaire like this without some form of pre-registration. Obviously, we're fans of that here because of (laughs) facts. Now, these questions are really straightforward. Did you add any to the two that I sent you?
0: Uh, what I did was I actually kept two of the questions from previous weeks because I'm interested, uh, p- previous week looking at where you actually see news about scientific research mm-hmm. and how many surveys you completed on prolific rel- um, related to um, corona. So, uh, w- this will be interesting to do the comparison between the two demographic groups, but otherwise it was just the two questions that, uh, that you sent me.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we tell people what they say now? Because I want to pre-register, Daniel.
0: All right. Let's, let's pre-register. So okay. the first question is: You've probably heard that scientific publications are peer-reviewed. That is reviewed by other scientists. In your understanding, which of the following options do you think is done in peer review? These were these were good, James. Um, reviewing the methodology, ensuring the experiment was conducted correctly, reviewing the statistics. Uh, Ensuring the experiment results were calculated correctly, reviewing the data, ensuring the numbers presented make make sense in context, and reviewing the arguments, ensuring the reasoning presented in the paper is correct or valid, reviewing the writing, correcting unclear or indecipherable language, uh, or reviewing the document itself, correcting topographical errors, incorrect margins, incorrect fonts, (laughs) etc. I couldn't resist
1: putting fonts in. Yes, so we have a smorgasbord of things which all sometimes occur in peer review, some more than others. I want to see what people who obviously have some exposure to formal research at some point in their lives think happens in peer review. Now, we can't get a subsample here. So we've just gone the very broad college, whatever it is, um... Now, what I think will happen is if you asked most scientists, now this is not true for every scientific field before I get another half a dozen angry emails from people um, working in computational genetics. It is uncommon, sometimes extremely uncommon, that data is reviewed during peer review. It is not part of the peer review process to interrogate the numbers presented. It's not part of the task. Many of the other things are. Obviously, the ones at the end are a little bit funny. You know, do you look at the margins, um, which is a trope of mine, I suppose. But I want to see if people think that question hidden in the middle, is the data reviewed, is a thing. Now, I think if you asked an equivalent sample of scientists, is the data reviewed in particular, they would say a lot less positive there would be a lot less positive responses from people who actually did this. Now, that's my peer registration. What's the second question, Daniel?
0: Second question: uh, If you hear a scientific study is peer-reviewed in a news story, how much do you trust it compared to a non-peer-reviewed studies? A non-peer-reviewed study; these are sometimes called preprints or pre-publication manuscripts. Now, right. we've got five different five options. Yep.
1: Trust one way versus trust the other way. Um, you could put anything you want. Obviously, this is just sort of like, do you know what it is? It's supposed to have a cache and represent something. Do we all agree that peer review is the big fancy thing? Right. Now we've got the questions out of the way. Let's actually talk about it. Daniel, actually answer the question.
0: I thought this is a great question, and the first thing I thought about is seeing red flags in meta-analysis because that is on my mind. I've reviewed a few recently, and I- this is important, James. I-, Go I-, I-, on. I hear, I see, I hear, you sigh, I see, you sigh. Um, and I think one of the clearest things that you can do, which is often missed, is these impossible effect sizes. Uh, one of the good things about meta-analysis is that almost by default, people submit their forest plots where you can get a visualization. This, this is many things are wrong about meta-analysis, but one of the things that are right is that a lot of these software packages automatically make these, these little pretty graphs for you that visualize the, uh, the, the effects that went into the meta-analysis and the summary effect size. And you can see, you can see these effects. And what's really funny <laughs> is that in in some of these, in a lot of these packages, if your effect size, they they, they tend to truncate, say Cohen's d between minus two to two, yeah, um, and they truncated at that. Some effect sizes are so big that it's literally off the plot. These these graphing pa- these these software packages don't actually adjust your um your, your your axes to include these enormous effect sizes. All you see is an arrow suggesting, hey, there's an effect size which is literally off the chart. And there are so many meta-analyses that I see, or there's quite a lot that I review, and the effect sizes are absolutely enormous to the point that they're literally off the chart. And you have to ask the question, did you actually get something wrong here? Quite often it's confusing standard error with standard deviation. Um, or it could just be a simple, um, a decimal point is in the wrong place. There are so many ways that you can mess this up. Yet when people are actually writing up these analyses and get and see these impossible effect sizes, they just, they just continue on. So I think that's one massive red flag. Is actually looking, or one way to actually look at these things is to look at the plots. Look at the plots that you see, um, and uh, that 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 in itself gives you one big indication for for, for this sort of stuff. That's the first thing that my eyes go to. Do. I don't know about you, but for me, I see a new paper and I instantly go to the plots. If it's meta analysis or or it's a different type of paper, what does the data look like? Hopefully, it's an informative plot. Quite a lot of the times, it's not, but uh, yeah, that's the. That's the question so James
1: being asked this most general question you'll immediately revert to talking about meta-analyses which you've just spent several minutes or what felt like a lot longer just <laughs> talking about impossible effect sizes on forest plots
0: yes this is important because oh, people take oh, these oh, things seriously whether you this, like it or not
1: no, 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 no. I've come to I've come to accept it. It's a it's a little bit like having a persistent hemorrhoid for me. It's like at some point in time you learn to live with it, um, and you you can you can you can treat it with the right cream. Um, there's so many additional things to add to this. It's basically that what this what this amounts to for me is how do you interrogate a paper? If well, someone sent you something, um, and said, um uh, this is untrustworthy or bad or problematic which obviously happens to me a lot if someone has made a particularly negative reference to an individual researcher you might get curious and look at their work just out of a pure sense of footling around um, with a critical mindset Um, you may encounter an informal peer review itself so I think the first thing to say is that you're not not really under any obligation to do this right now. So, I mean, yes, we all want to be better at understanding whether or not information is accurate. That's fine. But you are, I mean, the the bold facts of it are you're not obliged to. If you fail to do this, then, yeah, everything could go horribly wrong. You may do it for a journal that reveals who you are, and then it may turn out you missed an elementary error. In the paper itself and then after that it may be a paper that's tremendously consequential that then goes on to kill hundreds of thousands of people now unless you add all of those things in sequence it's it's very likely to be less consequential than that and obviously if you knew you'd say something so there's a very very strong presumption that rather than helping the researchers commit whatever acts of skullduggery are involved that you simply made a mistake. It's an oversight. So on the basis of uh, this going wrong in very important papers, which I um, wrote about last week, um, it's it, – we, we have an uneasy relationship with this kind of checking. But this. Something that I've been meaning to do forever, and anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a long time can probably go back and point out several episodes um, where I've said I really should get a, a syllabus, a guide together for seriously reviewing, like aggressively reviewing documents for accuracy rather than Let, for the kind of scientific focus. Let's take let's it a step back. What? Oh, no! Okay. <laughs> no, no. Go w- on. One take small, it. Take it. Take it. W- a step back. One Do the small rubber step back
0: on me. Go on. You, you obviously read papers differently, um, especially when you when when someone sends you a paper, going, check this out, have a look. Mm, you are yeah. you were going into that thinking there is probably something wrong. The average person at it's the moment when they peer reviewing Yeah, certainly something wrong. Uh, The typical peer review when they're reviewing a paper, um, they are not specifically looking for these things. Now, I Um, think- Yeah, of course not. They're they're not.
1: That's the whole point of the survey from 10 minutes ago down to see if we could reproduce this expectation in people who should know the answer to it probably
0: won't. Exactly. But I think that it is realistic. I think that it is realistic that we can actually change how peer reviewers behave- By putting together a very, at the moment, when you, when you do a peer review for most journals, you fill out a very simple checklist. Yeah. It's, it Mm. it varies for different journals. If we were to do a straightforward checklist, I'm talking really low hanging fruit. What sort of stuff for the layperson, for the layperson, not the layperson, but for the reviewer that's not looking for these things or trained with these things, what low hanging fruit would you include in such a checklist?
1: Or things that you could pull out easily that might yeah. be a, a problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you could start with other results of similar magnitude to previous results. We're gonna assume that you're an expert in the field here. Other yeah. other, other results of equivalent magnitude. Um Compared to the field at large, would you say that the percentage of variance explained or effect size listed and they should be listed are noticeably larger than usual? Good question. Do you have any, do you think it's a realistic that a study of the size and resource deployment listed in the methods section was conducted as described? Do Great. you see, do you see any calculatory or temporal anomalies? I mean, the data was collected from 2008 to 2011. They published something in 2015 and they're doing something now. Um, and then referring to something that didn't exist with like, like a, a conference <laughs> paper or something that was from six years ago, like before the first manuscript, but there's a bunch of authors who are suddenly missing, even though it's the same as whatever else. Basically, like, do you see any problems with version control? Um, If you want to find anyone who's like retooled someone else's stuff, or if they're throwing people off the paper for being dodgy fuckers and then try to publish it themselves and figure out what it was in retrospect, um, a lot of the time there's like clues in the publication record. So things like that are an overview non-calculatory kind of. Instruction, And it can be a little bit harder to go deeper than that without talking about specific calculations because often you need the tools and you also need a little bit of experience in knowing what to look for. So let's talk about this sphere thing the other day. Mm. Good example. I spent four to six hours trying to break that data set open from the supplementary material. I haven't told anyone because I couldn't figure out to my satisfaction something that was a reasonable statement of what it was a problem. I mean, everyone was suspicious of it. Um, that started with how all the hospitals were involved in the first instance, especially when some of them immediately came out and said they weren't, you know. Like we're there, using their data reply. and they come out and go, your no, reply. you're not. So that's a problem. I mean, the fact that it was um, kind of – Impossible or incredibly unlikely from first principles was one thing, but the data was too neat. Um, And there were features in it that were extremely sort of uniform. Um, Now, the thing that I hadn't reckoned on was that the implied sample sizes obviously play merry hell with your ability to um, make determinations based on p values. Now, unfortunately, the methods that I chose before, <coughs> excuse me, methods that I chose before I gave up in disgust and anger um, were p value based methods. That's not necessarily a problem in context. We don't need to get into the p value thing here, but I mean, generally, when a technique finds something and it, uh, it, it makes sense to question the authors of the journal more, when you get p equals 1e e to the minus 20, you go. Mm. Mm. You don't have to go, oh, yes, but if we've used the correct method, it would only be fucking uh, 5e to the minus 13, which is nowhere near as bad. They're both terrible. Um, they're but heuristic methods, so that's what happens. So the point is, Dan, I didn't get anywhere with that. Well, there's all this other mounting evidence, you know. I'll put them in a much bigger part of the story. I had to go. Uh, mm. I had to go at some, some related stuff. I tried to jailbreak. Some of the data from the, um, some of the data from the age cohorts. Try to jailbreak that. Um, hugely computationally annoying task. Um, that didn't work either. We, just, we never talk about the failures to do these things. So here's the, When it comes to the like, so let's say you reviewed something like that. Oh, high-profile fuck-ups. I mean, I'm sure these reviewers are like, what? What were you doing on uh, Tuesday last week, Karen? <laughs> Nothing. Reading a book, I was not participating in that horrible failure of governance at all. Why do you ask? Um, you know, they'll be, they'll be hanging the damn heads. I, I think it's more important to realize that a lot of other people would not have would 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 not have suddenly turned up on this. Everyone flatters themselves that if it was them in that situation, they definitely would yeah. have spotted it. And it's like, well, I tell you what. Um, hope, hopefully the Lancet ends up having a punked program and we'll send you a fake paper in five <laughs> years and we'll see how good you are, motherfucker. Because, um, yeah, it's not... The the problem is, at the center of it, and you say, well, let's interrogate this thing, is that your presumptions, the critical space that you occupy in your mind, are different. If you're going to punch something up because you think there's something really terribly wrong with it, that is a completely different way of thinking than... I'm going to review this because if you're going to do that and you think there's a serious presumption it would mean you would have to do that, you're not in a space where you're thinking about the ideas. Does it make sense to use that test? Does it make sense to collect that many data points? You don't give a fuck. You're looking through it going, what what invalidates the calculatory basis of this? Yeah. Now, without a kindly alien cutting every scientist's head open and sticking new brains in that think that's appropriate and doable or a serious rethink of how we understand what a manuscript is, this is not going to happen much. It can happen more. We can build tools for it and they will probably change people's behavior. But the idea that you're going to turn up by fiat and decide that there's new complicated tasks a lot of people won't understand for peer review isn't going to happen. So it's also, I mean, this is, I, I don't particularly enjoy telling you that story because it would have been much cooler if I'd found something. And, yeah. you know, I would have been a, a few days Exclusive. in front of the other people. It would have been a cool story, but it didn't happen. And, you know, I was just left sweating into the couch cushions, like wondering
0: <laughs> which that And then, you know, I just ran out of energy. That's a nasty image. Huh? Look, wh-
1: I was angry. One thing, angry sweat.
0: Yeah, angry sweat. Angry, that's the worst kind of sweat. One thing that <laughs> strikes me is that you would think that a venue like The Lancet would have- I, I assumed they had statistical consultants that run the ruler over their papers. I thought these top, top, top journals had this. So, either they didn't do it or the stats person had fallen asleep for this particular paper.
1: Well, but Dan, that, were, the, were the statistics wrong?
0: The p-values were unusual-
1: Were they wrong? It's really hard to get up into someone's grill and go, that's unlikely and that means they don't trust you. That is not something you can always do. And when you do it, it's not always something that you can get away with. Right? Mm -hmm. That is is not – it's not a simple thing to do. When someone finds something really great, when your response is, no, you didn't, no, you didn't, you horrible foreigner, justify yourself – That's not the appropriate response. I mean, there's obviously situations where it's the right response, but it's not socially normative, is it?
0: Yeah, but I mean, we do have facilities within peer review to actually raise these things with the editor. Or I quite like that some journals have this thing that at the end of peer review, all the peer reviewers get together And discuss, eLife does this and Nature Human Behaviour sometimes does this as well, where they get together. And I like this because in many circumstances, it's very hard to find someone that's qualified both in the subject area, but also in methodology and statistics. Yeah? Mm, Of course. So- so, of course, yeah. So, in a lot of papers, they actually say, like, I've explicitly been told by 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 an editor going, hey, I'd like you to peer review this paper. I know you don't do this thing, but I know you're good at this thing. I'm very happy for you to only comment on this thing, and then was I'll take the that. Was it the
1: forest plots?
0: No, this was- uh, What was this on? I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't the forest plots. Oh, um, and, and, that, and, and that's fine. <laughs> and, and that's fine because you can get together at the end and discuss these things. So, if, if there's one person going, hey- uh, like th- these effect sizes are massive, and the second person can go, "Hey, I have experience in that subject area. I can actually say that that effect size is is much much bigger than than we would anticipate." But look, or all these things take totally resources. It's normal
1: because we find that all the time. You know, uh, it's a within yeah. subject effect size, and the effect is very strong, and it happens to everyone. Exactly. But yeah, perfectly normal. That's allowed to be two and a half. I know shit.
0: But my worry is that. Um, this sort of thing, this sort of organisation, would only be available to journals that have the money. Oh, yeah, of that's course. yeah, and of course. <sighs> but but at the same time, we keep finding we keep finding problems in these in these in these high profile journals. Um, whether mm-hmm. it's because the papers are getting it's the same the same discussion is it because these papers are getting a very close look at? I'm sure we have the same sort of issues with other papers with less prestigious journals. But with the resources that you'd think there would be. Uh, a better opportunity to actually catch these things. Hi- why don't they hire you or old mate Nick Brown? Th- th- those sort of things. Because a a look, data that's sleuth. Not-
1: yeah, I know. But what you're saying basically is do people who don't agree with what they- People who don't agree with what we do, why don't they spend money to make themselves
0: look bad? That's what you've just asked. Uh, I don't know. Um maybe I'm too optimistic no, but you it's don't. What, no, what, you don't. What, what why don't we sp- why, do, what, why don't we spend money okay l- l- let's just change tack here. I like the idea of what um uh, Daniel Larkin's recently announced him and his team they were doing they're offering money for a red team approach yeah I, we've mm. spoken about this like 50 episodes ago this is the idea that happens quite often in the military when you're proposing we're going to do this thing there is a red team which actually Pulls apart your proposal, going. This is how your thing's going to fail. Also happens a lot in tech, where you're proposing a new product or, pr- or proposing something, and you have someone else actually playing the devil's advocate, going, "Here are the here are the problems." So what Larkins and his team—it's—it's well, it's more done-
1: common. It's more common in network security. Yeah, I mean, it's it's usually said in the context of, "I'm going to break into your shit."
0: Isn't that called Black Hat, White Hat? Isn't that a different- Um- Different thing. Bounty- I guess-
1: uh, I've heard it. Maybe there's some crossover. But it did. It started in the army, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a military- So, this is a great- This is a great proposal and they're putting up money and I think is going to charity. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, uh, Ruben Arslan has also done something similar with one of his papers out of his own, was it, was it ICO? Somebody did that out of of their own pocket going, here, here is my data. Here is my scripts. If you find issues, here is a list. Here is a bounty list. Yeah. And, and the biggest bounty was you find a problem which invalidates my conclusions. This is interesting. Um, because it's actually telling people go find errors. But at the same time, that paper that was published alongside a red team evaluation, gee, I'm going to trust that so much more than any other paper because these researchers have put their money where their mouth is literally and I said, like, I, I,
1: I, I, I like the idea of like, I'll bet you that I'm not an idiot for no, <laughs> for, for no, for no stakes. Huh? No money up front. I'll bet you that I'm not an idiot. Now that's confidence.
0: Is two episodes of Everything Hurts not enough for you? Well, you should become one of our patrons. In return for supporting the show for $5 a month, you'll get a bonus episode every month. If you can't swing the $5 a month, we also have a $1 tier, which gives you access to a couple of bonus episodes a year, plus a monthly Hertz newsletter. Don't forget, we also have a merch store where you can pick up stickers, shirts, hoodies, and our most popular item, the Hertz mug. Check out the show notes for details. This seems really difficult and almost insurmountable for a way for journals to actually fix this. So the other way is we could, is that we can actually, uh, incentivize scientists to do this. And I think this is one potential way. Of course, this is, there's an equity thing. Not every lab has the money to put up, you know, a hundred bucks to say, come find my errors, but maybe, I, I don't know, but I, I think this is a more realistic way, actually putting the onus, not the onus, but, but, but putting this in the hands of the researchers to go, I want to find errors and I'm willing- I'm I'm willing to let people find errors in my work and I want to improve my work and um, I I don't know if there should be a badge for this, Um, but basically knowing that this study was red teamed, um, I want to red team my stuff. I think it's a great idea.
1: Well, it is- do you know what it is that a lot of other things aren't? It's fun. That has more in common with the interrogative- Mindset that I'd understand of reviewing something critically than anything else. Um, it's actually quite engaging. Um, it doesn't feel like you're slogging through the same old shit for the millionth time. It's, it's a, it's, it's a good time. So that's what you want. What I want is something different. And I would like prestige venues to choose an online platform where data in a database and the calculations that are present in the document are linked together to an YouTube. Obviously, uh, obviously Jupiter is the, is the potential, like the, the, the frontline choice, but could be any fuck thing you like. I would like them to say we only now support publications that come in this particular format. Or even if we're going to water that down a bit, this is now the primo class of paper where everything, when it says here's the mean on the thing, the mean is calculated from the database. There is either mouse over or click over code to show you what that is. You can click it and then you can go to how it's actually calculated from where the fields and the data are. Now, I can already hear the whinging, data's too big for that, yet obviously there's... Uh, You're not not dealing with MRI. Everyone's like, MRI, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look, it, there's possible, there's intermediate solutions for things like that. There's all sorts of things. Now, that for review, that for review would be mandatory. Because you have to put all the data in front of people. All the things have to be calculated. It can't be fucking ad hoc. It has to be, it has to be there. It has to be presented. Now, if you absolutely must hide your data, and that was obviously the problem with this recent Lancet paper is that the co-authors said, send us the data. And he wouldn't, the fellow who is in a lot of trouble now wouldn't send the data to the co-authors. Now I've seen this happen half a dozen times in other projects when you won't send the data to a co-author. 100% of the time, in my experience, mm-hmm. that's resulted in further problems for the owner of the uh... data set. 100% of the time, the moment you where well, you have three researchers, A, B, and C. And B and C say to A, hey, uh, we need to see the data for our paper. And A goes, no, I don't want to. Or I lost it. Or, why, the fuck, why the fuck am I still <laughs> talking to you, Karen and Dave? I don't like either of your dumb faces. Um, when that happens, and they weren't sure, because I mean, this is if someone's under the pump. You're like someone else who's involved can check it, even if they're biased, and They make sure that it exists. It looks through it. I would like that integrated unit within. Well, I mean, and this and this it's not even a radical proposal. It still looks like a journal article. It still behaves like a journal article. It just has dynamic elements and it has a back end, and I would like that to be the statement of. Everything's available for inspection here and it's it's linked together and it's easy to navigate and it doesn't fuck with anyone's preconceptions too badly.
0: Have you tried making one of these things?
1: Um, I've seen other people who've made them. Um, frankly, I'm not good enough with the tools that are necessary. You know my eye is atrocious and no matter how many of you bang on about how much you like Whatever package that it is, that's, I mean, some of you should be ashamed of yourself. Anyone is that excited over a statistical software package? I I can only imagine the look on your face when you get a new cardigan and a box of tea. (laughs) Um, it's just, it's, I've seen it done a lot. I would love to be able to participate in something like that. And it gets to the point where I know how much time I'd have to invest to try and do that. For someone else, it'll be much, much easier, and it will be for me and my gradually failing frontal cortices. Doing uh, Did you ask that question because you think it's going to be hard or because you've tried and it didn't work or why? Because you're doing not- that face where you your face goes up slightly at the side <laughs> where you feel like you've asked a question that I'll find difficult or unpleasant. It never works, but I do enjoy seeing your little face go lopsided.
0: Look, this, I, I have tried it and it is doing the graphical side of things. It's not straightforward. This is essentially one way of doing this would be a Shiny app, for instance. But mm. what is, what is straightforward is putting your data and code online as a reproducible container. If you can make the yeah, art package. Yeah, sure. Yes. If you can make the, if you, if you can make the art, look, this is to come, This this, 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 this is easy. This is very straightforward. You've made, if you've made, if you've done the analysis and you've run the script and you've got the data, you can post that online and the reviewers can do that. But it's, if we get into these proposals, these these things have to be realistic and the shiny stuff, anything beyond sort of a basic analysis, like what is, what is the mean? Like that's fine. But going beyond that, um, it's not that straightforward, but I like the idea.
1: Sorry, and you think it's straightforward to retrieve someone else's code, load the database, and then put everything and reproduce everything else computationally? Like, everyone's going to do that instead,
0: rather it, than just being able to
1: expect the individual elements.
0: It's more straightforward for the researcher to do that. It's already there. You're just pressing a few buttons and and, you, and your, your thing's up we there. And, the reviewers already, and,
1: the- and we already know that people don't do that.
0: No, but w- Look, what's realistic there's is to, saying- there's going
1: to have to be one, one of these proposals, one or the other, or something like them, that something will have to change eventually when it comes to computational reproducibility. Something will have to change. And an element of what I said before is something that I want you to keep in mind. Registered reports are a great model for this, Because there are ways now in which they represent a premium publication. There are ways now where they represent something that's identified as being good by virtue of the fact that it did this. Now, if there is virtue to be had, then that is something that is easily achieved, regardless of which of these ideas works or is feasible. The idea that you can put this on a pedestal and say, this is entirely inspectable. And not just like, here's the data in a fucking zip file. It's 400,000 <laughs> gigabytes. Um, and every no, des- instruction- no, no, no describe variables. No, for- no
0: described variables. No, no
1: described variables. No comments in the code and like, every, everything for some reason is in Sanskrit. Even though the researchers are from Sweden. I mean, it's it just, that's no, it's no use. It's more like record-keeping for you. Anyone who works with colossal amounts of data will tell you that labels and metadata are much more important than the data itself. Things to be identifiable a lot of the time, you need it to have context. So a great big pile of data is one thing, a great big pile of data being navigable and turning into actions on the great big pile of data that can be precisely reproduced between
0: sites, something else entirely. Well, the code, if you run it, should step-by-step step go through what was reported in the paper. But we are running out of time. We, we ought to get back to our responses for, oh. the, for the from the public.
1: Well, yes, well, I was we- expecting you to close with that, Daniel. Do you want to tell us yes. what
0: happened? Yes. Yeah, so, we, we recruited 100 people um, within the space of the episode. We uh, I think how it long, about how long half did it take? an hour. About well, half an hour it's to it's get away. it's a
1: very out. short survey, so maybe people don't feel like it was worth their time. Maybe we should come up with longer ones in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so,
1: hundred people in half an hour I guess they just sort of get out of the way tick tick tick
0: now let's let's go through um, the highest level of education um, this we, we had a, a lot of great almost 50 percent had graduate degrees um, and mm. uh, the well, rest uh, about 40 percent had undergraduate degrees and we had about uh, eight with uh, doctorates. So th- there's, there you go. Good, good mix oh, on the, on the prolifics. Uh, age, uh, majority 18 to 30. Yeah. Um, okay. everyone passed the attention check. That is also good. Well done. Well done. Okay. For the first question, um, uh, in your understanding, which of the following options do you think is done in peer review? Okay. So you, I'm assuming you have the questions in front of you, James. Um, mm. the, what do you think had the most responses out of all the options there?
1: Um, okay, well let's tell people what they are briefly. It was methodology, statistics, data, arguments, writing, copy editing. Yes. Um I think most people would have said arguments more than anything else.
0: That came second. Bollocks. That was very close.
1: Um then was it methodology?
0: That was first, yes.
1: Right. Are you going to tell me what they were percentage wise?
0: Yeah, so um uh, 82% of people uh, said methodology, mm. uh 78 said arguments. Uh we had 75% reviewing the statistics. That's uh, reviewing the data was seventy three percent. Oh, wow, Optim- uh, optimistic. Uh, got it. Gee, we should break that down by, by <laughs> the it. doctorate the the, the doctoral got students it. reviewing the writing. Beautiful. Um, thirty five percent, which is which is quite interesting because a lot of the peer reviews that I get are like, um, oh, have, have you considered writing the sentence this way? In, um, I
1: would I would say that over that is in general. If there's comments left, there's almost always a comment on the writing, and yeah. there's. Almost always one of these areas that's missing. And obviously, it's usually data. But you said 73% of people think that reviewing. data is reviewed in peer review?
0: Yes. these.
1: There's no way they all work from the specific. They are, are all engaged in the specific subfields where that's actually true.
0: No, no, no way at all.
1: Uh, is, oh, we got our common misconception, Dan.
0: We did We've it. And got we had it. 20% reviewing the document itself. Okay, next question. Um, uh, if you hear a scientific study is peer-reviewed in a news story, how much do you trust it compared to a non-peer-reviewed study? Okay, mm. what, you, what do you think uh, was the winner out of all well, these things? I
1: think the modal response was a little more.
0: That would be correct. So, 45% trust peer-review, a little more than mm-hmm. non peer review, uh, 32, a lot more, a lot. Um, and then we had uh, 13%, uh, about the same. Interesting. Probably mm-hmm. our doctoral students, maybe. Gee, we should have broken that down. And then, um, um, uh, uh about sort of 9%, 10% um, mm. trust peer review less or a lot less. Some cynics in there, James.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it is a little bit of a carnivore kind of question. Um, because I mean, for it to be much less trustworthy, peer review would actually have to take something away from what they do. With <laughs> class of manuscript would have to. So I don't think anyone really thinks that's the case. I mean, obviously the screw ups, but yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to go a little bit Danny K on that one and see what happened. And yeah, that's about what you'd expect. But I mean, that's interesting because less than a third of people said a lot more. Yeah. This is our premium, special, fancy thing that we use to make sure science is accurate. How many of you think it makes papers a lot better? Less than a third.
0: Read you got it, they read your Guardian article, mate.
1: They certainly <laughs> did not.
0: Uh, and uh, and uh, for the final question, um, this is uh, we asked this question last time. How many surveys have you completed on Prolific that included questions on the impact of coronavirus on your psychological health? And it's yeah. a bit different. Uh, there was some big numbers last episode. This one, um, mm. 70, almost 70%, 1 to 10. So yeah. it seems like this demographic is responding or doing less of these surveys. So I there think, you
1: go. I think that there are, uh, there's preferential sampling of... Um, uh, people who are more like typical community members, rather than the digitally always on, you have a degree. Sure. What kind of color, motherfuckers? This is um, yeah. they're going for. You know, what do the plumbers think? What do yeah. the what do the the critical care nurses think? Um, oh, hang on, they've got great degrees. What am I talking about? They um, do, yeah, change. I'm just honestly, my my brain's just bouncing between buildings in the neighbourhood and thinking of who works in them. I'm. Yeah, I've got a cup of coffee behind me I haven't managed to drink because Daniel's at me if I drink on podcast. <laughs> the, the,
0: the, the mouth, The mouth sounds.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Me and me the mouth sounds. He's getting at me for chewing. In the mouth. I feel like sharing some chews with people now, but I'm not going to. I am a benevolent. That's
0: for our um, our patrons, James, the, 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 the super secret uh, tier. Oh, we can wrap super, up for today's episode. To, yes, that's, not, that's not 20 the, minutes the, the chewing of style shit
1: we couldn't fit into the public discussion. It's just 20 yep. minutes of yep. me chewing.
0: And six incredibly
1: strange perverts who log on to hear that. (laughs) But you know, it is good to keep people happy. It is
0: good. Yeah, people have their preferences. Look, thanks, thanks, Kim, for sending in your audio question. If you have any audio questions, um, send them in. Go to our website, follow the links, follow the links in our show notes. Thanks to Prolific for supporting the show and supporting the survey. This lightning fast and high quality data that we got. Uh, Big shout out to Prolific. And
1: and Uh, we got our result, Daniel. We did. We got our results. This, this
0: is this is brilliant. We are going to be back again soon. We have lined up uh, an amazing guest. This uh, a fantastic guest who who isn't in the behavioral sciences, but I think we're going to learn a ton. From uh, from this special guest that'll be coming along that'll be coming up soon.
1: I like the way you head the street that, but yes, it it will be a good one. He's not just saying that because he feels endlessly self promotional as usual. It will actually
0: be pretty good. (laughs) It will be it'll be very good. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, We'll be back again soon with more. Everything hurts.
1: See ya. Remember, we love you, but the government knows where you live.